Hey, welcome to the Night Church Podcast. My name is Philip, and I am so excited for what you're about to listen to. These are sermons and presentations by young adults and for young adults. If you're visiting in the area, we hope that you join us for Night Church on Friday nights. Or if you're a regular here in Loma Linda, I hope that you'll share this sermon with someone that you love and care about. Now, for the sermon. Sabbath. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, and it is good to celebrate the reason for the season is American history with a little bit of ebony spices, huh? So it's all right to smile, to laugh, to talk back, to let me know that you're in the house, okay? So to God be the glory as we go down through memory lane. I want to thank, first of all, our Lord and Savior for giving us life. Can we clap it up for our Savior? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to thank Pastor Phil for extending the hand of invitation and all those who were so very kind to me as I was preparing and and uh, backstage, everyone so, was so very nice. And so I just want to say thank you. So here we go. Without further ado, the three Moseses. That's how my great-grandmother would tell me. So what we're going to do is we're going to go down memory lane. We're going to go from the plantation to the promised land. The plantation to the promised land. And as we begin, our scripture is, greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. No greater love. And that is going to be our theme. This is my mother. My mother, if she was here, she would say, David, why are you telling them my age? <laughs> my mother, Marilyn Jean Johnson, 1950, thank God, to the present, she taught me the love of God. She worked hard to keep me and my sister in Lexington and St. Louis Junior Academy. Worked real hard, telling me always that Christian education doesn't cost it pays. It doesn't cost, it pays. Think about that. Think about that. So she's the one. She was a child prodigy singer at age seven. She would lead, be the lead singer of the adult choir at the age of seven. She taught me music. Music was very powerful in our home. This is her sister, my aunt, Lois Marie Gilliam, born 1944 to the present. She was my manager growing up. She's the one that inspired me to learn Martin Luther King's speeches, most of his speeches, by memory. She worked at the PBS station there in St. Louis, where I'm from, and uh, she would be behind the cameras, and she would be in charge of the programming, and uh, she would have me come and watch these videos of the Civil Rights Movement. 
And she would tell me, sit down, and I want you to watch. And have me in a room, and I would watch and watch and watch and learn and learn and learn. This is my grandmother, Ruth Marie Johnson, born in 1918 and died about 10 years before I was born. I heard so many things about her. She was the reason. She was looking for a church. I'm a fourth-generation Adventist. She was looking for a church and said, Lord, show me the right church. I'm looking and searching. So there was a blustery, windy day in St. Louis. She was going downtown, walking downtown, and all the leaves were swirling. True story. And as she was walking, trash and leaves started to stick to her. The old wind was blowing and blowing, and so she looked and pulled the leaves and the papers off, and she saw a track that says, Seventh-day Adventist Church, Berin, come for Bible studies. And the Bible teacher was Sister Tucker, and she called the number. There was Bible studies given, and pastor, deceased pastor Charles Bradford baptized my whole family into the Seventh-day Adventist truth. So this lady, when we get to the kingdom, I'll introduce myself to her and say, thank you, Grandma. Thank you. I'm so glad that you've been listening to the first part of the sermon. This sort of production does require some financial cost. If you'd like to reach more young adults with this across the world, would you consider giving at praxisministry.org? You can select the Praxis Young Adult Envelope. Enjoy the rest of the sermon. This lady right here, woo! Don't nobody bet not talk about my great-grandmother. Oh, my goodness. See, we're going to have some fun now. See, we're warming up. We're we going slowly, okay? This lady right here, she was the one that taught me. Her father was a Tennessee slave. She helped to raise me. I had convulsions growing up. She was the one that would put me in cold water and put apple cider vinegar in the water, and I'd come out of those spells. They take me to the hospital, and the doctor would smell and say, there must be an old person in the house because I smell old remedies. But it would get me out of it. This was the woman that would sing the songs and sit down and teach me and tell me there were three Moseses in her Tennessee accent. Teach me ways. She'd say, David, look at my hands. And I'd look at her hands, and she'd say, look at all the cuts in my hands from picking cotton in Tennessee. Her father, Frank Williams, was born in 1857. That means the first seven years of his life was in slavery. So slavery wasn't that long ago. The lady that changed my diapers, right there, her father was a slave, or as we say today, an enslaved person. My great-grandmother and I, I love my great-grandmother. This picture was taken of me playing around with her. I'm always kissing her. She, oh, stop giving me all that sugar. That's what she called kisses, sugar. And I just give her all the sugar, you know, because I love me some great. How many of you love your grandmothers and your grandfather? How many, what? Is it just me? Is it just me? 
She told me there were three Moses, and as Moses has a tan. Stories my great-grandmother told me. My great-grandmother would sit in her rocking chair and play the albums of Mahalia Jackson. Who's heard of Mahalia Jackson? Ooh, I just see a couple hands. Y'all are missing out. Your homework assignment is when we are done, when the sun goes down. Oh, no, no, you can do it with the Sabbath because she, she, this is Martin Luther King's favorite gospel singer, Mahalia Jackson. You better understand. You better recognize. You better recognize. She would play Mahalia Jackson as she would rock in her rocking chair. She would tell me stories of being raised by her father. It's not Andrew. It's Frank Williams, born in 1857. He was born in slavery, Brownsville, Tennessee. She told me there were three Moseses. The first Moses was Moses in the Bible who led the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea on towards the wilderness to the promised land. She taught me about that Moses. Then she said the second Moses. This the Moses her daddy told her about. Because when they were young, when he was on the plantation in Tennessee, they'd always talk about Nat Turner. And then they'd always talk about Harriet Tubman, the second Moses. Harriet Tubman, 1820 to 1913, born into slavery and made 13. 15 successful missions into the South to save 70 enslaved people, including family and friends. Greater love hath no one. That was our text. She did it not thinking about her own life, loving others to death. That's what I came to talk about. Greater love hath no man. Do you love people to death? Hmm. She did became the first woman to lead an armed expedition, Union soldiers, during the Comahee River Raid in South Carolina, where 700, 700 enslaved were liberated. She was an abolitionist, Civil War scout, spy, nurse, and famous conductor of the Underground Railroad. Who's heard of the Underground Railroad? All right. Was it a real railroad where you could say, hey, are you going to take me underground and I'm going to try to go to St. Louis? Was it that kind of railroad where you can go get a ticket? All right now. All right. Ah, quilts. How many have seen these kind of quilts? Do you know quilts and following the North Star were also aids for escaping slaves to find their freedoms in the North. So what my great-grandmother would tell me is, on the plantation, as her father would tell her, they would make quilts. So the slave owner's wife would say, I want a quilt. So she would get the best seamstress that were the enslaved, and they would make the quilts. But while they're making the quilts, they would make maps into the quilts on how to get off the plantation. See, they were forbidden to read and write. Where did this wisdom come from? See, the Holy Spirit works in many ways, y'all. So they would build, they would stitch maps like a GPS, if you will, in the quilts. So whoever was supposed to meet the second Moses outside of the plantation, they would just look at the quilt and find a way off the plantation through the creeks, through the wilderness, 
on to the Ohio River and across. Not only did they have quilts, but when they braided their hair, they put maps in the braids. So as they're picking the cotton and their head is down, those who were supposed to steal away, steal away means escape, they would look at the braids and see, okay, take, go to the third tree, make a left, and then cut a right by the, okay, by the barrette, and then go. So the braids were used as maps, quilts used as maps. Negro spirituals. How many of you have heard of Negro spirituals? Oh, okay. Soothing songs that expressed the pain and sorrow of the enslaved person. Picking cotton, my great-grandmother would say, from not sun up to sundown, can't see to can't see. Y'all know what that means, huh? When they started picking, it was dark, and when they ended, it was dark. And so they would sing these songs to express their sorrow, their hope that one day God will remember and save them, and one day they will be in heaven one day. And it expressed their mood. Some songs were sung for joy, sadness, pain, gladness, hope, faith. All different types of emotions were expressed in these spirituals. But did you know? These songs were used by the enslaved to convey hope, pain, joy, and were also used for codes for escape through the Underground Railroad. Did you know that? Well, we're going to show you. The song goes like this. I'm sure you've heard it. Let us break bread together on our knees. Let us break bread together on our knees. When I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun, oh Lord, have mercy on me. Watch this. Gonna lay down my burdens down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside. I'm gonna lay down my burdens down by the riverside to study war no more. Well, I ain't gonna study war no more. Ain't gonna study war no more. Study war. No more, my Lord. I ain't gonna study war no more. Ain't gonna study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. See, so got a little, put a little stink on it, you know. No more. All right, all right, all right. All right. How many of you heard this one? Well, I'm on my way to the Canaan land. Yes, I'm on my way to the Canaan land. I'm on my way, Lord. 
Lord to the Canaan land. Oh, yes, I'm on my way. Praise the good Lord. I said, I'm on my way. Praise the good Lord. I'm on my way. Praise the good Lord. I'm on my way. I'm going somewhere with this. Just bear with me. Bear with me. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Wait in the water. Wait in the water, children. Wait in the water. My God's gonna trouble the water. Then swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Well, I looked over Jordan, and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. A band of angels, they were coming after me. Yes. Coming for to carry me home. Now, we're going to decode. Those songs I just sang, it was not just a mini concert. No, it was not. <laughs> sang those songs for a reason. Because that's how my great-grandmother would sing the songs to me. And she'd say, boy, if you don't listen, I'm going to whoop your butt. Everything was, I'm going to whoop your butt. <laughs> See, these were the 1970s, and they had a green light to whoop your butt. And I got my little whooped all the time. So she wanted me to listen and stop running around because I was a crazy boy. Just would run into the tree just so I could get up and be like Superman. Superman could do it, I could do it. Have a big old hickey upside my head. She'd be putting ice on my head and say, come over here. And she'd be by the rocking chair and she'd sing these songs. And she'd tell me, David, there's colds in these songs. Imagine if my daddy was picking the cotton. And they all picking. And the overseer sitting on the horse. And they're singing these beautiful songs I just sang to you, David. And I'm about seven years old at the time. And she sang all the overseers on the horse. He said, ooh, boy, this dude, they sure can sing. Woo-hoo, they sure can sing. But as he's enjoying the music, which was purposefully sung so beautifully, he didn't realize that the next day they were subtracted a couple. Then the next day, subtracted more. Then the next day, like, where'd everybody go? Because they got colds in the songs I just got through singing. Well, let's see if y'all caught the colds. Ooh, let us break bread together. There's a cold there, and we're going to tell a little story about an enslaved person and what he's going to do to try to get his freedom from the plantation to the promised land. All right now. So, 
if I sang the song, which I did, let us break bread together on our knees. Is there a code there? Let me continue. Let us break bread together on our knees. When I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun. Uh-oh, 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 I see some heads moving. Did y'all get that code? Now remember, they're all picking the cotton, and they're looking at one another, and they get the best singers to sing the song. And those who are supposed to steal away are the ones that's going to really be picking and listening. The singers are going to be right in front of the overseer on the horse, distracting him with those beautiful melodies just bouncing in the air. And he's, oh, oh, ooh, wow, not knowing that those who were selected to escape to meet the second Moses was listening to get the cue. And the cue to this song was, what time are we going to meet the second Moses? So when we say, when I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun, they're going to meet her at sunrise, y'all. Come on, you got to clap that up. Come on now, y'all. Y'all got to clap that up. Come on now. No education forbidden to read and write. Where they get that from? Ruach. All right, here we go. Down by the riverside, y'all automatically know where they're going to meet, right? Going to lay down my burdens ha, down by the riverside, down by the riverside. And can't you see the overseer? He probably was getting so carried away, probably almost fell off his horse with the melodies, with the beats. Not knowing they're going to meet early in the morning down by the riverside. Hmm. Well, where were they ultimately going? Well, I'm on my way. This gives them hope, y'all. To the Canaan land. They going to Canada, y'all. They ain't going no Canaan. They going to Canada. But Canaan was the code word for Canada. But they were forbidden to read and write. Where did they get this stuff from? Lord works in mysterious ways, wonders to behold. They were going to Canada, then wade in the water, because some of the enslaved had the slave mindset that if I can't go, I'm going to make sure you can't either. And everybody, you don't have to have melanated skin to have the slave mentality, because the enemy does that to us when it comes to sin. Can I get an amen? Somewhere, can I get an amen? The enemy enslaves us with that slave mentality to some of our habits and issues and concerns, and we feel like there's no way out. He enslaves each and every one of us. So here, you had some of those enslaved that said, I hear y'all talking about escaping. I'm going to go tell the slave owner so he can give me better mush to eat, better holy clothes to wear on Sunday." And so he would go and say, Master, Master, they's escaping. Oh, thank you so much. Get the bloodhounds. Get the horses. Let's go. So as that enslaved person is running through the wilderness, through the creeks, 
and they're trying to follow the North Star, and they're trying to remember what was in the quilt. Do I make a left here or a right here? They're listening to the sound of wolves and, and snakes and cougars, and they, they're so afraid. They don't know what to do. So where do they go? The bloodhounds are on their trail. They pray, and they listen. And those who could really sing would just stand up and project their voices. Wait in the water. Wait in the water, children. Wait in the water. Get your butt in the water. That's what they're saying. So when you get your butt in the water, you throw off the scent of the bloodhounds. Oh, I can't make this up. I can't make it up. I didn't come here to lie to y'all tonight. They would get in the water, submerge themselves, and the bloodhounds, oh, they didn't know where to hit, where they went because the water threw off the scent. Oh, this one was deep. So they finally come out of the swamp, and they're running, and they're running to the edge of the river, that Ohio River. And that Ohio River, remember the enslaved, always gave names according to the Israelites in the Bible. They used the Israelites with Moses and applied some of those biblical names to their struggle. So they would go to the big river, which was the Jordan River they called the Ohio River. Because once you get, if you're on the Kentucky side and you cross over to, from, to Ohio, you're free. You're free. Now, the 1850 Fugitive Slave Law said even if you went to the northern states, they were, the law bounded those northerners to return escaped slaves. It was a horrible law. So you had to keep going up to Canada. That's why we sang, well, I'm on my way to Canada, because of the 1850 uh, Fugitive Slave Act. But before that act, you could go right over the Ohio River to the, to the state of Ohio, and you were free. So when they would sing this song, the chariot represents the canoe. So the Jordan River represents Ohio, the Ohio River. So when you said, swing low, they're at the banks, and they're looking at the billows, not saying, I cannot swim, but I would rather die trying to get my freedom than to spend one more day on the plantation. And they were willing to jump in. But just as they were jumping in, they looked over Jordan, the Ohio River, and what did I see coming for to carry me home? It was Harriet Tubman and her three homies coming for to carry me home. And home was on the Ohio side for freedom. Ha ha, that is the secretive way the Negro spirituals were used for codes for escape. Ms. Rosa Parks told me in 1994, when I had to open for her to do a Martin Luther King speech, she said, uh, I went to the green room, such as the green room we have there, and she said, uh, <clears throat> well, let's, let's go to it. She said, uh, well, this is the third Moses. Y'all knew that. That's the third Moses. My great-grandmother had his album. She had everything. Dr. Martin Luther King, 1929 and 1968, American Christian minister and civil rights leader. She 
He was my great-grandmother's favorite. Before he died, she bought many of his albums, and she would play it, and his voice scared me. I thought it was thundering and lightning, and I, I was very afraid of his voice. This is the book. I learned all the speeches and a lot of the black history events and history. I grew up learning about black history from the book Negro in America. I would rent this book from the library, take it to my office, 777 Treehouse Way. That was my treehouse. And I would drown myself in this book, learning about the history of my people since the days of slavery, David Anthony Johnson. And I saw this lady in the book. How many of you have seen this lady in the book, seen this lady throughout your history books? I would see her. This was in the 70s when I would see her. And I knew 20 years before, as I was looking at it in the 70s, was the 50s. And I would see this beautiful lady getting arrested. And we always knew because she refused to give up her seat because she says, I'm just as important as you are. I'm a human being like you are. Never knew, no, I never knew that I would have the chance to sit with her for three hours in a green room and hear her stories of what happened that night. They were flicking on and off the, the lights, calling her all kinds of names, telling her that this, what they are trying to do would never amount to anything. And she just cried and cried. She said, young man, I cried, I cried, I cried. And she said, then I remember the song my enslaved grandmother would teach me. Whenever I felt like a slave, I knew I was God's child, just like anybody else. I started to sing that song. She said, baby, can you sing it for me? And my pianist was there. He would get on the piano, Louis Valentine, and he would start playing it. And we would sing. This was her favorite Negro spiritual. And before I'd be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. Oh, freedom, oh, freedom, oh, freedom over me. And before I'd be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. That song, that song got its melody from a tribe called Eboos. These were tribes in West Africa. I had a chance to meet them when I went to Nigeria, and many of those in Nigeria thought I was an Igbo. <laughs> and I started to do study on the Igbos. They were taken after slavery was banned in the U.S., so they were illegally snatched from their homes, taken down to South Georgia. And as they were in South Georgia, they took over the ship, took over the captains, took over the ship, and said, we're going to turn this ship back to Africa. So they thought they were going back to Africa when really they were going further into Georgia. And when they saw that they were going further into Georgia and knew we are not going to make it out the way we had it in, in, in Africa, we're going to die, but we will not be a slave. So the king of that tribe was also caught, and those from his tribe who served him was there. 
they took over the ship, spoke their language, and they started humming. They were humming that melody. And the words that they would say translated was, the water brought us here, the water will take us away. The water brought us here, the water will take us away. So in, unif in, in uniform, unity, they got together, walked off of the ship, and everyone saw this. Walked right into the water, and they kept saying, the water brought us here, the water will take us away. And humming that melody, and they committed suicide. Thus the term, and before I be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. That song was Mrs. Parks' favorite song, which she sang when she was arrested. That song and her prayers to God got her through. I saw her. This is when I had hair. Oh, those were the days when I had hair. It was 1994. That's when it all happened, that day. Three hours I spent. I was 26 years old, and I talked to her about everything. She had a great sense of humor. I said, Mrs. Parks, she said, yes, baby. She's about that tall. She said, uh, when I saw her in the green room, she was eating up all the food, all the grapes. The grapes and the cheese couldn't stand a chance, and don't even talk about the crackers. I mean, she was wiping it all out. I said, they don't feed the mother of the movement. What is going on here? She's eating everything up. And I said, Mrs. Parks, Mrs. Parks. And she turned around like this, mouth full of grapes. You know, she turned. <laughs> and I said, I said, Mrs. Parks. I, I, and I was getting shaken and everything because I remember seeing her in my history book. And now she's in front of me. She, she went to Martin Luther King's church. This was the, the, the mother of the movement. So I said, Mrs. Parks, I'm the young man that's going to do the king speech. She said, come on over here, baby. I said, oh, it's just like my great-grandmother. But my, my, my legs, y'all, couldn't move. And I, uh, and I said, oh, okay. And I went over there. I said, she said, oh, baby. I said, can I give you a, a hug and a kiss? She said, you mean some sugar? I said, whoa, oh, how does she? But she's from Alabama. My great-grandma's from Tennessee. And you don't just say kisses, you call it sugar. All right, so y'all learn something now, all right? So she's, I said, she said, you mean some sugar? I said, can I give you some sugar? And she said, come on, baby. And I hugged the mother of the movement. And I got my hug in, y'all. I got my hug in for the ages. And she said, now they told me they wanted me to do, I have a dream, which everybody thinks that's the only speech of Dr. King. It is not. So she said, what speech are you going to do for me, baby? I said, and just as I was going to say, I have a dream, she said, and please, don't do I have a dream. I'm so tired of that speech. I said, oh. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, wow, I'm going to do the, be the best at whatever you are. She said, baby, that's great. And when I was doing the speech, she was up there sitting up high in a balcony as I was doing the speech, and she was just crying. She told me in the back room, how did you, I closed my eyes. And I thought my pastor was still alive. That's the greatest compliment I received. This is Rosa Parks. When I was little, this was the first album. My great-grandmother had a record player like that. How many of y'all, I know y'all too young to remember when record players 
used to look like that. Who remembers when record players used to look like a coffin? Hmm? Huh? Oh, my great-grandmother had that, and it was like a weapon right there, boy. You can hide some things up in there. You can hide all kind of hopes and dreams up in there. Come on now. And she'd play that. We'd come from church. She'd warm up the collard greens. Oh, don't get me started. She'd warm up not the cornbread. She'd warm up the cone bread. Cone bread. She'd warm it up. She'd, she'd have, you know, the, 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 the chickens, you know, and the little chicken. I don't know where the chicken came from. I don't know where the chicken came from. But she'd get it all warmed up. We'd get there and we'd eat. And she'd be having Mahalia Jackson on doing her little moves while she's stirring up the grease. Ooh, that's my song. Now, she in her 80s now. And how can she be dancing like that in her 80s, coming from church now? And I just sit there and just watch her. See, what matter of a woman this is? I think I love her. I love my great-grandmother. And she would stir it up, take her wig off now, and then put on her little cooking cap. When she put on that cooking cap, she put her foot in them greens, y'all. I see, I know I'm speaking a language y'all probably don't know. But that means she made the greens really taste good, all right? When she put the cooking cap on, that means that food's about to knock you out. So she'd cook that food up with Mahalia Jackson in the background. And then when we eat the food, she'd put the dessert on. And so when we have a German chocolate cake, you know, and, and lemon meringue pie and all that stuff, she would go, and I was about five now, she'd go, and I, I, I dreaded the man's voice because it, it, when it'd be thundering and lightning in St. Louis, I equated that to, to, to Dr. King's voice, and it scared me. So she'd get done eating, and she'd get up and run over to this big old record player, and she'd take the album out, and it, and it should always blow on it. If y'all were born in those days, y'all, that's how you got down. You made sure no dust was on it. Then you move the arm, put it on, and then I'd get close to her. She said, baby, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm scared of his voice. He was our Moses. I want you to learn his speeches, boy, and make the world remember what God did through this man. He loved everybody to death. And the things he led out, everybody benefits from. 1964 Civil Rights Bill, 1965 Voting Rights Bill, 1968 Fair Housing Bill. Everybody benefits today. She said, this man died trying to give food and to give a working wage to the poor. She said, David, he loved people to death. What is my title? Greater love hath no man. She said, if you love me, you'll learn his speeches. I said, yes, ma'am. So I would sit next to the speakers, and I would just listen and listen. Then I'd go to the library and get more albums and books, and I'd listen. Take it up to my treehouse, my office. Listen and listen. And when I got to church and I had to, to do the speech, and I was 10 years old, my voice hadn't changed yet, and they wanted me to, at MV, it was called MV back then. It wasn't even AY, it was called MV, Missionary Volunteers. How many can remember when it was MV? My missionary, oh man, I am really dating myself. Wow, wow. It was called MV, and then they changed it to AY. And they said, young David, he's going to come and do the Martin Luther King speech. Come on, David, do that speech now. And I come, remember, my voice ain't changed yet, so I sound like an eight-year-old girl. 
So I got up and I said, and at the end, my cousins are all on the, and friends, and they making faces, and they're, they're, they're trying to get me out of the zone now, but I'm in the zone. So I'm getting there, and I'm coming down to the last free at last. I'm coming down to the mark. Remember, my voice ain't changed yet. And my great-grandmother, she's back there with all her little girlfriends talking and gossiping, you know, ooh, what that girl got on? You know, of course, they were doing that. So I get up, and I said, I said, And the whole audience erupted in laughter. And I, and I thought as a 10-year-old boy, but well, this is not what they did on the album. And they laughed me, and my great-grandmother was laughing the hardest. I heard a shrill of laughter more than all the other laughters, like a laughter for the ages. And I looked, and it was my great, ain't it cute? <laughs> and I thought, she's the one that got me up here. So I was depressed, and I said, at the age of 10, I'm going to retire from anything to do with Dr. Martin Luther, the king. And so my aunt, she brought me over to Channel 9, and she let me watch the videos, and she said, David, God will change your voice, but you just keep on, and one day they won't laugh at you. They're going to have to get tickets to come see you. I said, no, they won't. My voice ain't going. God will take care of me. So she inspired me to keep on, and as I turned 14, my voice dropped, and I was able, and by the time I got to Oakwood, I traveled and traveled and traveled doing it all over the place, doing these speeches. When we were at church, this is all you saw when I was growing up. Dr. King was on the fan. Dr. King was on the clock. Dr. King was in the magazine. Everything was Dr. King. I thought he was haunting me. So, as I close, my grandfather, this was 10 years after Dr. King's death. I was about 10 years old. And my grandfather took me over to his sister's home. And they were in their 60s at the time. And she said, David, come here. And I'm about 10 years old, 78, I guess it was. And she said, she said, do you, I want you to go up on the third floor in the attic and look in that big footlocker and take out something that I got for you. And it was that obituary. She said, that's Dr. King's real obituary. 10 years ago, I drove down from St. Louis to Atlanta, and I, on April the 9th, 1968, and guess what? Dr. King preached his own funeral. And I looked at her, and I thought, well, when you're dead, you can't preach. And if you told her that, in those days, remember, they could say, wow, I'll hit you, stop being disrespectful. So I made sure I backed up and said, Aunt Ursula, when you're dead, you can't preach. She, you, you must be mistaken. She said, well, prove me wrong. Next Sabbath, when you come over, let me know if I'm right. If I'm right, you got to come and clean up my dishes and, and cut the grass. And I thought, oh, no. She says, but if you're right, I get to make you a cake. And I said, oh, man, get ready to make that cake. So when school got out on Monday, I ran down to Julia Davis Branch Library, and I got the books out, and I found out that Dr. King did preach his own eulogy. And you know how he did it? Two months before he died, in February 4th, 1968, he did a sermon called The Drum Major Instinct. 
And as he did that sermon, halfway between that sermon, he started talking about his own death because he knew death was coming. When he said this eulogy, two months and five days, he was there at Ebenezer Baptist Church. They recorded it and played it. Therefore, he did preach his own eulogy. And as I'm closing, I want to close with this three-minute speech to typify Dr. King was much more than I have a dream. Dr. King spoke of that promised land, and it's not merely a condition of all of us being good on this earth. Dr. King was speaking of the world to come, the promised land. That promised land is heaven, y'all. That promised land is heaven. That's really what Dr. King was speaking about. I may not get there with you, but I know tonight that we as a people, we as a people will get to the promised land, and that promised land is heaven. So when I close out with this speech, this typifies who he was. He loved others to death knowing they were about to kill him, but he did it anyway. My question to you is, do you love your neighbor to death? So this is how he ended it. It's the ending of the drum major instinct, and he starts speaking like this. You know, I guess we all think realistically about that day when we will be victimized. And what is life's final common denominator? That's something we call death. Every now and then I think about my own death, my own funeral. But I don't think of it in a morbid sense. But every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I would once said? And I leave the word with you this morning. If any of you are around when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. Every now and then I'd wonder what I'd want them to say. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That would be important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other wards. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. But I'd like somebody to mention that day. Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. Like for somebody to say on that day that I did try to feed the hungry. Like for somebody to say that day that I did try to visit those who were in prison. Like for somebody to say on that day that I did try to clothe those who were naked. Like for somebody to say on that day that I try to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice, that I was a drum major for peace, that I was a drum major for righteousness, and all of the other shallow things would not matter. Won't have any money to leave behind. Won't have none of the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. I just want to leave 
a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word of song, if I could show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I could do my duty as a Christian Bring salvation to a world once wrought if I can spread the message as the master taught. Then my living will not be in vain. You have just heard the plantation to the promised land. We got to get there, y'all. Make sure we will not let the cares of this world keep us from the promised land. God bless you. Hey, I'm so glad that you listened to the Night Church podcast sermon today. I know that God is going to do great things in your life. Whatever you felt and heard from the Lord through this sermon, I hope that you would share this with someone that you love and care about and that you would consider even joining us one Friday evening. Blessings to you and hope you get to listen to the next one coming up soon.